to the Impeccable Perspective Podcast, where we help you discover gospel clarity and openness in a new way by letting go of the culture and finding your truth while having some fun doing it. Now, here are your hosts, Joe Peck and Luann Rowney. Well, hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. Here we are, as always, here to serve you, ready to uh, bring another stellar topic of inspiration and light and truth and whatever else we decide to throw in. I, I think there's a soapbox and maybe a little bit of there's attitude that might be, future, <laughs> might be thrown in along with that light and truth, uh, but well, that's what makes it interesting because if not, it would be like sitting through a lecture in uh, Old Testament Oh some, my gosh, I'd rather you... read the phone book. <laughs> Wait, we don't have phone books anymore. I'd rather read an insurance policy oh. or something like that than sit the Old Testament. That's rough. Come that on, is... Old Testament can be pretty pretty uh, sparkly. There's some great stories in there. I... Nowhere else does your donkey talk to you or, you know, you get some other... <laughs> well, on Shrek. Bailing his ass, you know. That's right. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's a good point. This is true. Shrek is another donkey talking show. They probably got that from... <laughs> The Old Testament. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually pretty cool. What do you know? So there we go. Well, there is, uh, yeah, some good use for, for the, <laughs> the Old Testament. <laughs> it's not just all begats and all that kind of stuff. It's uh, it's actually got some value that we can use. I know. That's the problem. There's so many great stories, but they're just so they're And they're just bigger read. than life. Yeah, they are. Yeah. They're huge. They're biblical, even. Well, we're talking about Isaiah. The Isaiah is the, the difficult yeah, well, it's all, I mean, I don't know, it's, it's all pretty dense, actually. Right. With that. And I think a lot of it is, uh, I think it's been rehashed so many times and interpreted and changed so many times that, I don't know, maybe it's, it's hard to read or maybe it's not even all entirely complete truth, right? Right. Well, today we're going to, I'm bringing, I brought my new book today, my Joseph Smith translation of the Old Testament. Oh my so, gosh. Yeah. Ooh, we're going to get into some doctrinal stuff. Hold on. Yeah. Hold okay. on. Run for well, a I'm ride. I'm going to step out and let you take over on that and uh, <laughs> deal with everybody. They Go can take a little nap. Take a little nap. Yeah, Come exactly. Back. <laughs> Come back. <laughs> yeah, we might uh, we might have to do a deep dive on some uh, some crazy stuff here because uh, we are uh, talking about uh, well something that could be a little taboo. It could be um, a topic that people don't want to uh, listen to or are afraid to listen to. Maybe Ooh. it could. I don't be. know. It all depends on your little lead onto the description. Which oh. I think that's where the church lady lines need to come in about Satan and <laughs> Dana Carvey and. Uh, that's right. We got our own modern day church talk or church chat. Church right chat here, actually is what it is. That's right. Boy, that is a while ago. I know. I think... oh, we just dated ourselves, which brings us to the topic that it's Joe's birthday today. Okay, that's not uh, okay. See, that's not what we're, we're, da- <laughs> we're, we're dating to be. ourselves. And it's Joe's 29th birthday again yes, for a the, uh, few years, maybe just a how few. Many, how many anniversaries of the 29th <laughs> birthday are we at? I've lost track. I don't know. But yes, indeed, it is. Uh, so, so there we go. And guess what? It feels just like another day. Don't feel older. Don't feel different. I don't know. It's just... Uh, it's okay. You don't look any older today either. That's good. I'd be, yeah, I'd be sad if I suddenly <laughs> aged 10 years there overnight. There might be one more gray hair in your beard, but... Hey, that's, that's okay. You don't, yeah, that, that's called distinguished for yes. men. Let's, I'll just refer back to the silver fox comments we've made in the yes. past and leave it there because uh, 
that's all good. That's that's the uh, so happy birthday to Joe as we talk about Satan. Satan. Ooh, that was kind of like in stereo. Satan, kind of was Satan, Satan. Well, it, <laughs> like a bad horror movie here. It's good we can joke about it, even though it's a very you can. heavy topic. But well, that's the thing. People get so crazy about Satan. It's like he who cannot be named, you know, and you can't Ooh. even talk about. Now he's him brought and Harry Potter into it. Okay, bit. you just updated yourself. That's yes, good. That's cool. Yeah, no, we're back. We I got it covered. I span the decades here. We're good. We're good. And so we, um, yeah, we really wanted to uh, bring this topic to light, uh, I think, because it's something that needs to be talked about and really it needs to be understood. And it's all about knowledge. So we feel that, like, in general, most people don't quite understand Satan, right? I mean, you have all the, uh, you know, the, the fear and all the, uh, the, the stories and, and, and everything from growing up or going to church or things like that. And, and Satan, you know, is generally kind of given a bad rap and just sort of presented in a light that is not favorable, and rightly so, uh, but we're going to get into all of that. But there's more to that story. You know, there's more information and knowledge out there about it. And um, the idea with this is just to kind of bring that knowledge to you so that you can gain a better appreciation for the adversary. And so in our church, we refer to Satan as the adversary. It doesn't really matter. There's all these interchangeable names, Lucifer and Satan. And, uh, you know, we use them all, but um, often he's referred to as the adversary because that's what he is. He is the adversary in the plan of salvation, uh, you know, the opposite of good. And if you look at the word adversity, which it's the same root, he brings the opposition or adversity to life, which is the balance that we need in dialectical behavior therapy that I do. It talks about you need to look at both sides and they are equally important to learn. And that means that adversity is equally important in life as wonderful, amazing things happening. And that's and there's the balance of why we came to the earth is to experience this because if there wasn't the fall, they didn't eat the fruit. Satan didn't have control over you know over this now like the he wasn't loosed on the earth, then we would never learn anything. Well, we wouldn't have been born and we wouldn't learn anything. So that's where we're going to talk about the wonderful gift of adversity. Because I know in my life when I have adversity, I think of it as a wonderful gift, don't you? Never. Gift that keeps giving. Oh, it keeps giving, all right. Your whole life. It pisses me <laughs> off. But it's necessary. But isn't that a new isn't that a great viewpoint? And I think that's yep. maybe a good focus for us, is it's this wonderful gift of adversity that I get to learn something new and grow. It is. No, no, you're absolutely right. And we, we kid about that kind of stuff, but we, we've talked about this in the past. But the whole point for us being here is to learn and grow and to progress as humans and as eternal spirits. And we can't progress, so we can't grow uh, and develop more you know, Christ-like characters. We can't work on patience, for example, without having uh, adversity in our lives. We can't work on forgiveness without having adversity in our lives. Right, right. long-suffering. So long-suffering, all these things. Meek, so humble, submissive, all of those yep, things. Yep. It is, it's, it's all part of the plan. And we're not here to just, I mean, it, it sounds silly and sounds, you know, like, why not kind of thing, but we're not here to just have fun and, and kind of, um, you know, just party our days away. There's a greater purpose here uh, for us being on earth. And this is one stop in a, an eternal journey that we're all on. And yes, having fun and enjoying life is, is a part of it. And God wants us to do that. But we have to kind of understand the, the point here is that um, we are here to be tested and to be tried and to see if we will choose to return to live with God, uh, or if we're going to choose to sort of follow and obey the adversary or Satan instead. And we have to have adversity 
in order to create challenges and trials. So it's all a big picture kind of thing. And our goal here with this episode is we really want you guys to take away a clearer understanding and a greater knowledge of the adversary and the role that he plays so that you can make better choices and dispel any fear that you might have about uh, trials in your life and about life itself. And, uh, and understand that you actually have complete control over the adversary. Right. He doesn't control not, us in any way. Not complete, because he has power to tempt us. You know, he has... Well, but, well, complete control in the sense that we always have the right to choose. Correct. We, we always, always do have a overcome. choice, yeah. but he will still tempt us in right. very subtle ways, because that's the way that he works. But, right, we, do, we always have choice. No one takes away our choice and people will often say to me, well, you know, my wife is the one who rules the home or my husband and they take my choice away. Nope, because you have to hand it to them in order for them to be That's able That's exactly to- right. And, and what we're going to talk about that. Uh, the adversary does not have power over us. We, we give him our power uh, if we choose to follow him, but he can't take it away. And uh, that's that's exciting, uh, exciting thing to learn. And, and another point too, uh, just in terms of uh, of agency. And, and again, we've said this before. For those who are not uh, LDS, uh, agency is what we refer to as freedom of choice or free will. So that's simply the right to choose. We call it agency, but it's the same thing. Uh, so in order to be able to choose effectively, we have to have strong opposition, right? If we didn't have, if we had a very, very weak opposition to everything, it'd be super, super easy to to choose what's right. Right. So, and let's compare that maybe to like a sport with a football team. If you're playing a really good football team, you're going to up your game and play your best game ever because what you're going up against is equally as tough as, as what you need to give them. But if you're playing a pretty easy team, many times they'll go into it saying, oh, this is, you know, we've beaten them really significantly. We really don't need to try. And then you don't give your best effort. Same idea that the stronger the adversity, the more you learn and the more you up your game to be able to, to meet that. And that's, you know, the things that we know to do to up our game would be keeping the commandments, you know, living in accordance with what God's asked us to do, really asking, getting to the point of really asking for him to help us. Because many times in life when it's a low-level adversity, we forget God. That's very true. Or things are going really well. We have no adversity in our life. We forget God and we forget to ask. We forget to submit. And then things get bad and all of a sudden we go, oh, now I really need you in my life because this it's gotten tough. Well, that's how I grew up. And, uh, you know, the um, getting back to the football reference, the the worst Super Bowl ever is when one team wins by like 40 points. Oh, yeah. It's, a, it's not a great game to watch. No, it's a horrible game. Even if it's your team that wins, that's awesome. But it's like it's not a good game. It's no fun. There's no challenge. You know, the best people will say that, you know, the best game I ever saw was this particular game where it was tied at the very end. They went into overtime and won at the last second, and we didn't know who was going to win and could have won either way. And there's all of these, um, you know, just back and forth, um, you know, where one team pulled ahead and the other team tied, and all these, you know, cliffhanger things and last minute kind of uh, just this action, this drama that creates just an incredible experience for us. That's what you're looking for, and that can only come from two equally. Uh, strong teams, equally matched teams, mm-hmm. right? And that's that's where we have the balance with agency. You know, being able to choose good from or good and evil, choosing between the two, uh, it's a very very strong uh, force between the two of them, and they have to be because how do you really choose good for real if there's no opposition? If there's no real opposition, right? You could. That's what it's all about. 
You couldn't. Yeah, no, and that's the point. We're here to be tested to see if we are going to choose to follow God. And if it was an easy choice and everyone could make it and there wouldn't be any challenge and we wouldn't grow. That's the whole point here. We wouldn't be able to grow and wouldn't be able to learn from the choices that we make. And that is a huge part of being here on the earth during this whole mortal probation that we're experiencing right now. So crazy stuff. So, yeah, we want to kind of just talk about Satan and, and kind of understand his role exactly and uh, what he means uh, in your life and uh, what uh, you can truly understand about him so that you can be best equipped to make the right choices for you in your life and uh, and choose that path that uh, that you feel is, is where you belong. Because there is going to be lots of opposition, so uh, I don't want to downplay uh, Satan, first of all, and saying that he's not a threat or that you shouldn't care about him at all or it's not a big deal. That's not what we're talking about at all. It's very real. Uh, he is, uh, you know, I read that he's an expert at marketing. You know, he knows how to sell. He knows oh, how he's, to sell. Oh, he's a sparkling individual. It's the second time you've used the word sparkling. Uh, but that, it's a great word. It's a great word because if you think about how, how um, good of a salesman he must have been, and that's where I say salesmen to me are sparkly. They're selling something. They got to turn the charm on or else I... Right. If I'm not hustling, I'm not going to make the sale. And for him to sell a third of the host of heaven on following him in his plan, he had to have been very good at what he did. Well, let's, I know that, and that fascinates me because again, that's when I joined the church, I didn't have any of that knowledge about a, what we call a pre-existence. Right? right. Because this is all LDS doctrine. And this, this is, all is LDS where it's doctrine, important to yeah. understand the doctrine and the truth of it and how important it is to gain an understanding mm -hmm. in that to, right. and I think that's where we're coming from is building an awareness of this and taking the fear out and being based in faith, which is really where the gospel is. It's people that have tainted that and brought this this fear about Satan, fear Satan, he's horrible. He, and no, he's actually a son of God. He has a part and to play and it's imperative that he plays that part or, or life would be useless. And who could that be? The culture? <laughs> and who could, yeah, now we're going to start doing church <laughs> chat. And who could that be? Hmm? The culture? Hmm, Satan? Satan? <laughs> well, isn't that special? So let, let's lay some ground. Yeah, let's start with the pre-existence, pre-existence where, um, where all this started. So again, um, and, and we're, you know, this podcast was never about forcing LDS doctrine on anybody. Nope. We talk about that as our doctrine because that's our particular faith. It very much aligns with most Christian religions. So if you're a Christian of any other uh, church or faith, um, you know, a lot of this will make sense because we have the same actual beliefs uh, that way. And uh, it's our hope that we can just sort of add our knowledge to the knowledge that you have and maybe round out the picture Ooh. you might have in your mind, right? Uchtdorf says, bring what you have and let and us add, let to, us add it. to it. Yeah, it's not about, exactly, it's not about us uh, being right or you being wrong or vice versa. And it's certainly not about trying to say our way is, is how, it, how it really is. But it's just really interesting to, uh, to have you know, more understanding and knowledge to kind of fill in the gaps. That's what it was for me. That's why I ended up joining the church uh, is because it filled in the gaps of knowledge that were lacking in my own personal journey here. And so we want to just sort of throw that out there and, and give you that information and let you do with it what you want. Uh, but I find it very, very valuable. So if we're talking about pre-earth life here, and, and again, if you're a Christian, you believe that there was a war in heaven, you believe that we existed 
with God. Uh, now, how that looks in your mind or what you think it, it looks like uh, could be different, and that doesn't matter. But the point is, in general, we all believe that we didn't just magically start to exist when we were born. We had spirits that existed prior to this uh, earth life. And we also believe that after we die, we'll be resurrected and, uh, and live forever with God. That's just basic Christian doctrine, no matter what church you go to. So with that in mind, uh, I think everyone understands that there was a great war in heaven. And But I, I didn't understand what that really was about or what it meant until, you know, I kind of joined the church and got a little bit broader perspective on it. So I, let's kind of talk about that. But so the the whole thing that we under, that we all know, basically, is that there was a war in heaven. There was a fight uh, over, uh, you know, good and evil. And uh, God had a plan for all of our, all of his children to uh, be able to come to earth and be tested and choose to return home to him. And this is a way that we could grow and develop beyond where we had progressed as an eternal spirit. So once we came here and got a body, that gave us more opportunity to experience things that we couldn't experience without a body. And so uh, the, the thing was that, uh, you know, in order for this plan, so this, first of all, was a plan of agency, meaning that God said, hey, listen, we want, we're not going to force anyone to come back or tell you what to do. We're going to leave it up to you. We're going to create an environment where you truly can choose for yourself. And so the point of that being that it's entirely on you, right? You're, you're, so whatever you end up choosing is, is legitimately your choice, and you can't blame anyone else. You can't be forced or compulsed to do anything by anyone else. This is purely your choice, and it's all up to you, and it's all on you, and the consequences either way. Uh, and so, you know, that, that, that was literally meant to be strictly our choice. And so this is how the environment was set up in order to do that. And so part of this was we had to have a savior because with agency or free choice, we are going to not always choose right. So there's going to be opportunities where we sin. And we've talked about sin. We've talked about missing the mark. That's normal. We all do it, and we all will do it for every day that we're here on earth. We can't avoid it. So in order to be able to return back to Heavenly Father, uh, we have to be clean, right? We have to have be sinless. And so there was a need for a Savior. And so there was there was a call, let's say, for volunteers. Someone needed to be the Savior. And Jesus. And, and so, again, this is kind of doctrine that may not jive with a lot of Christians, but we believe that all of us, every human being, are children of heavenly parents. And so, we're, in a sense, in, excuse me, in essence, we are all brothers and sisters in that regard, which includes the Savior. We believe that he was our older, Correct. the oldest, the firstborn, I think. Don't we <clears throat> right. believe that, right? Instead of the first, right. Firstborn, like first of born, God, but basically, morning, he's our old, right. Yeah, he's our older brother. And then we also believe hold on to your seats, that Satan is a, a, a brother of ours as well. Like we're all, uh, th we're all there. We're all children of Heavenly Father. And so the Savior stepped up and said, yes, I will be the one to be the Savior. And he was most equipped for that as the oldest. And then wow. he was the only one. That yeah, was, was the thing. Only, it had to be option. the only begotten for that right. to happen. Right. Right. That's, that was his role. And then uh, Satan stood up and said that, uh, you know what, actually, I have a better plan. How about instead of agency and letting people choose? Because a lot of people aren't going to, if they can choose right or wrong, some of them are going to choose not to come back. And you don't want that. You want everybody to come back. So I have a plan where we'll, we won't have the right to choose. We will just make everybody choose the right thing and, and we'll save every single soul and bring everybody back 
And the caveat is, I want all the glory instead of you, God. I don't want to give you the glory. So that's my thing. I'll, I'll give you this amazing plan, but in return, I want all the glory. So that kind of a thing. And so that was the thing. And so we ended up having a war in heaven. When you hear about the war in heaven, this mm-hmm. is what it's about. The war in heaven was over agency and the plan. Which plan were we going to choose? And Satan had convinced a lot of uh, people, a lot of our brothers and sisters, basically, you know, in the uh, pre-earth life there, that his plan was better for them. And uh, and so there was a war between the two. And uh, obviously what happened was Satan and his followers were cast out. We all believe that. And the rest of us who chose to follow God's plan were allowed to come to earth. We call this our second estate. So our pre-earth life was our first estate. Our life in mortality here is our second estate. Uh, that's what we refer to it as. But... Um, we were all granted the right to come to earth and get a body and continue on forward in our eternal progression. So that's sort of the, 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 you know, the backstory of, of why we're here and how we're here and why Satan is who he is. Uh, and the, you know, the plan of salvation required uh, for agency to really be real, as we've mentioned, it requires opposition. So we can't choose good if there's no evil. We can't choose happiness if there's no sadness, right? That's We're the back idea. to the football game. The football yeah. game can't happen unless there's two teams to play against each other. Because watching one team play... That's practice. Right. Well, and <laughs> they even work. have to split up. And so yeah. it wouldn't be a game. There wouldn't well, no, be no. life you if You need opposition. That's what right. it is. I mean, there's opposing teams. That's, that's what it is. Every sport, every contest, everything like that has opposition position you can't get away from you could, otherwise there's no sport there's there's nothing to watch and that's how we're here so um what i find fascinating is uh how, who satan was through all of this and like before like we all all of us just know him as the devil right we know him as the adversary he is here to tempt us he is here to 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 destroy us he is here to take us down with him and and to become miserable like he is. We all believe that in one way or another if you're a Christian, and it's true. And we're not taking away from that. This is serious stuff. Like he has an in, his pure intention is to drag you down to hell and keep you from returning to God and make you miserable like him. And that's a bad thing, right? And it's a very serious thing. So we but we feel like if we can give you the knowledge to help you understand all of this, you can be better equipped to reject that and understand why and realize that you are in complete control. So we'll, we'll talk about that too. But I wanted to talk about who Satan was before all of this happened, right? Like in the pre-existence, pre-earth existence. Because believe it or not, he wasn't always a bad dude. Well, no, because before that, he was, we were all there existing and Mm -hmm. we all had, we were all with God before that happened. And again, there's no time, so you can't put a time stamp on that, but right, right. And I wanted to just bring in the gospel topics because this is okay. more just cut and dried. Same thing you just re- that you said, but more with like scriptural yeah, 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 yeah. type no, of thing. This is a good reference for people to check it, on their it own. It is. And that's the thing. It's in gospel topics. If you go to the gospel library, which is on LDS.org, and anyone can access it. It's not something that's secret. It's not something that you can't access or read. And gospel topics is always a great place to go because it has things written very concisely and very exactly and they're very easy to understand and they give scriptural references if you want to dive deeper into those but that's why i like it because it's a good overview of basic gospel topics to gain an understanding especially good for youth if you're trying to understand and gain a knowledge of what that is all right satan also called the adversary which we talked about or the devil is the enemy of righteousness and of those who seek to follow god He's a spirit, son of God, who was once an angel, 
So he's an angel, just like the rest of us, in the authority, in the presence of God. And then it gives some references. But in the pre-mortal council, so we are talking in a council, in heaven, Lucifer, as Satan was then called, rebelled against God. So rebelling, he chose to go against what God had said or what he had presented. Since that time, he sought to destroy the children of God on the earth and to make them miserable. One primary issue in the conflict between God and Satan is agency. Agency is a precious gift from God. It is essential to his plan for his children. In Satan's rebellion against God, Satan sought to destroy the agency of man. He said, I will redeem all mankind, that one soul shall not be lost. Surely I will do it, wherefore give me thine honor. And that's Moses 4.1. Satan persuaded a third of the part of the host of heaven to turn away from the Father. As a result of this rebellion, Satan and his followers were cut off from God's presence and denied the blessing of receiving a physical body. And I think that's a lot of where he wants us to be miserable as he can never experience what we have because he'll never have a physical body. Heavenly Father allows Satan... So he is fully aware, he fully allows it because he knows that's what we need to experience. And that's important to understand the Heavenly Father's part of this. He allows it, he agrees with it, he's always agreed with it. It's not something bad or wrong. Heavenly Father doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't because he's God. He allows Satan and Satan's followers to tempt us as part of our experience in mortality. Because Satan seeketh that all men might be miserable like unto himself, and that's 2 Nephi 2.27, he and his followers tried to lead us away from righteousness. He directs his most strenuous opposition at the most important aspects of Heavenly Father's plan of happiness. For example, he seeks to discredit the Savior and his priesthood, cast doubt on power of the atonement, counterfeit revelation, distract from the truth, contradict individual accountability. Oh, those are all the... Big points right there, right there. Yep, each one of those. He attempts to undermine the family by confusing gender, promoting sexual relations outside of marriage, ridiculing marriage, and discouraging childbearing by married adults who would otherwise raise children in righteousness. Individuals who do not give in to Satan's temptations, um, oh, they do not have to give in to Satan's temptations. Each person has the power to choose good over evil, the Lord has promised to help all who seek through sincere prayer and faithfulness. Pretty wild stuff, uh, <laughs> for sure. And but it, it's I find it fascinating that uh, you know he and this is true in um, every uh, movie, for example, every story on TV, everything like that. Uh, every villain in every story has to have a good side, has to have human qualities, has to have a motivation for one to do what he does. No one is just pure evil for the fact of being evil. It's always something. There's a backstory that they were right. once a good person and something happened and this happened and they changed to become all of this. There has to be that side of it. And Satan's no different. He had, you know, a, a good side. Like he was, um, he, he was one of us. And so there's, there's lots of scriptural references that talk about who he, he was prior to all of this. Uh, and uh, so, for example, his um, the name Lucifer, and that, that's it's it's kind of funny, but it, it's always you know just associated with with bad things, right? I mean, it's a bad connotation with the name Lucifer. Like nobody's going to name their kid Lucifer, mm, right? Yeah. Same like nobody's going to name the kid Adolf anymore. Well, Lemuel was a good you know choice also. I was thinking about naming a kid. Really, you know. Lemuel? Yeah, Layman, Lemuel. Don't, I know. That I, sound know. Good? I actually know a guy named Layman. <laughs> <laughs> but he, he pronounced it Lamond, I guess, so that he doesn't get confused with the bad guy. Right, but right. Th- th- here's what's interesting. The, the name Lucifer, I did some research, and it actually, 
It's a, it's a noble and honorable name. Right. So you oh. think, well, why wouldn't it is? But right? it is because he was one of the exactly. noble and well, honorable ones it, before he rebelled. Exactly. Right. That's the thing. And that's what people don't understand. Like what, he, he's just Satan. Like he's always evil. He's always bad. He's, he's always like that. Well, no, he wasn't. Uh, his name, the, the name Lucifer means brightness and morning mm-hmm. star. It does. And incidentally enough, the Savior is also referred to himself as a morning star. Right. So it's so so Satan, you know, wasn't just always pure evil existing like that. He was one of us and uh, he he was a good person. The uh, uh, the heaven. The, so the scriptures that talk about when he made this choice, when he rebelled, the heavens wept for him. Mm-hmm. But I believe that we wept for him. Well, also. yeah, the heavens, meaning all of us, right? Everybody that was there. So why on earth would you do that? Why would you be so sad if, if some, some guy, you know, rebelled, if he was already a bad guy to begin with? Like that would just be what you'd expect from a guy like that. But no, he was someone who was noble and honorable. He was loved. I think he was uh, honored, right? He was respected and admired by all of us because of who he was and his abilities. And he was very, very uh, resourceful, very charming, right? Because if you think about it, he was able to convince, you know, a big part, a third part, at least, you know, we don't know how many that is exactly, if it's literally a third or just a third part of it. Anyway, a, a really big section of all of us, right? He convinced all of those people to follow him, that his plan was the right plan and he was very clever at that and and this is what's really interesting to me again this is all new knowledge for me and, and understanding this is fascinating but he was able to play on the emotions of all of us because the the plan god's plan was hey here's agency you need to choose there's going to be good and evil but and notice we have agency even in heaven oh yeah we did of course agency it, to choose do i follow in, the savior do right. i follow lucifer it's internal principle it's never been it's not there correct it's been in place right f- but his always. plan was like hey i want to get rid of this plan because it isn't going to work for everyone right not everyone and this is the argument he would tell people is like hey you know you're you're not a really strong person you're not really confident you you're not going to make it if you go into this plan but my plan i'm going to make sure everybody gets back which was false he couldn't which again he couldn't sounds do that. pretty bright and shiny sounds doesn't very it bright it's and shiny right like oh look we're all going to make it back I, I we're know. all going mean, to be if together you, if you look at people in general there are people who are have weaknesses or people who are easily influenced or people who are not confident these are characteristics that, like, we weren't different in the pre-existence, mm-hmm. right? Our souls were our souls. They're the souls that, can, that well, fill our up spirit, our, our right, spirit. Right, our intelligence, our which has always existed, always has the same qualities. And not everybody has the same level of intelligence, let's right. be honest, right? And you, can, you can tell. I mean, the world is replete with stupid people. They brought some of that with them, I think, right? And so people were susceptible to, to that, and, and people knew, like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not a strong person, or I'm really nervous about this. I don't know if I could actually make those choices. And Satan's like, yeah, you probably won't. And let's just be honest. Look what happens if you don't make the, the right, right choice. You're, you can't come back. You're cast out forever cast out from out the forever. presence yeah. of our Father, so which is me. what we want. That's, what, that's our big desire, even here on it the is. earth, is yeah. I want to be back home. That longing yeah. for home comes well, that's back. Well, that, exactly. Our, like our episode on separation, right? Mm-hmm. That's, we have that longing to be back home. It's inherent in all of us. We don't always know what we're longing for, right? Because we don't, might not have the knowledge about God or faith or religion or anything like that. But we, oh, I think we all do have some sense of longing for something, longing to belong, longing to be with people, longing to be in families and to love other people and to, uh, to be, be with God. That's sort of just an inherent characteristic of all of us because of how all of this works. And so he was very, very influential to a lot of people to the point where he convinced a, th- 
you know, a third of all mm-hmm. of us to actually follow his plan. And then, you know, they supported him. And, and it's interesting, too, because it wasn't, and this is something I didn't realize uh, early on, but it wasn't cut and dry in heaven where it's like, hey, yeah, we're all following the Savior or we're all following Satan. It wasn't that black and white. There was a lot of people who didn't know what to choose at all, but they thought, you know what? God's plan kind of sounds a little bit better than Satan's, I think. I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm kind of on the fence, but I think I'm going to choose this one instead. Like, Not everybody was like gung-ho to say, yes, God's plan is right. The Savior is, is our Savior. We're going to follow Jesus, and we're going to, you know, when we get to earth, we're going to live his gospel. No, I mean, just look at, so you look at the earth and all the choices people make. This is something that I notice. When you look at there's a lot of evil in the world. There's a lot of bad choices that people make, and they are happy making those choices. Some right. people are well, very happy making bad choices. They've right? changed and they've shifted within. They've hardened their hearts, blinded yeah. their minds. They have gotten really lured into that in a subtle way at first, but then once they've they've started down the path so far that it's yeah. really well, difficult it's the whole to ever come cord back. Parable, which is one of my favorites, but that that's what it is. You get drawn in, and then eventually you can't get back out. Over time, it doesn't happen right away, but it's interesting interesting to think like, hey, you know, everybody who came to earth, everybody in the history of the world, anyone who will ever come to this earth, all of us made the same choice. We made the same choice to follow God's plan and to accept the Savior, right? That we made that, that's why we're here is because we chose that plan instead of the adversary's plan. But then you come to earth and you have no desire to follow God. You have no desire to, to even have a relationship with the Savior. You like iniquity and, and you know well, you, you kind of delve into all the bad things. All of that. That you, all or of what that. I find Why? interesting is you choose to follow God. You know you have a testimony. You get that. And then you choose to not. And turning against the knowledge and awareness that you have saying, you know what, that really isn't important. I think I'm just going, it's complacency. We're oh, back to, you know, yeah. the... And it's accountability, too, which is an, another thing that the adversary is trying to destroy. It's really fascinating because, so um, getting back to the preexistence, the adversary's goal was to destroy agency, the plan of agency, right? He, wants, he, did, he wanted to get rid of the right to choose and have a compulsory plan where you had no choice. You had to just follow his plan. Which as a parent sounds pretty good some days. Oh, absolutely. Oh, hell yeah. So, you know, just make those choices for me. That'd be awesome. Please. I'll choose for you. Here's yeah. what. Thanks. Here's just tell me what to do. Yep. Well, that's the culture of the church, right? Just spoon feed me the gospel and I'll do whatever you tell me to do. I won't think about it. I'll, if you tell me I have to do this every day, I'm just going to do it, right? That's not the right thing to do. That's a compulsory plan. But And um, this is why we bring this whole topic up is right. because this is part of where the culture percolates, you know, grows bigger, stews, gets richer and richer in, it's based in fear and it's based in, no, you do it our way or you're not going to be accepted. This is, you know, we're going to tell you what to do or you don't fit into what we want. And that's really what, again, Satan's plan was. I mean, you know, I'm not saying members of the church, I've said this before about the same kind of thing, but members of the church are not deliberately trying to perpetrate Satan's plan. That's not no. the intent of their heart. Uh, but when, when you say things like you have to, you know, here's what you have to do. And if you don't, we're going to, you know, ostracize you. That is a compulsory plan, which is what Satan's plan was. It's not the same plan. It's taking but it's the away same agency. It's taking away agency. Level. Exactly. Which is exactly but what his again, plan was. People in the church have agency. Like you can come to church and say, Hey, I want to come and I want to partake of these particular things. I don't necessarily want to go to the temple. I want to come. I want to serve every day, but that really isn't where my goal is. And just loving and accepting them and saying, Saying, great right. welcome 
Right, but the problem is the, the this is where the culture has created a mindset. They've been kind of brainwashed where it's like, well, we believe that the only path all of us should be on is a celestial path where we all go to the temple. Because otherwise, why would you be in the church if you're not going to go for the gold kind right. of thing? Well, and this is the goal. And I get that, and I understand it's a goal. And I understand that, that God's given his temples. And again, this is truth, and it will never right. change. But we, again, have agency of choosing where is it exactly I'd like to fall within that. And letting them choose and loving them unconditionally no matter, including your children. We're back to that. It's really difficult to love children that have chosen other pathways. But that isn't God's way, and that's not the truth. It's loving them as unconditionally as possible in our mortal state. I, I think that that's why you know we have these situations is to test our ability to love to, to love like mm-hmm. that. It is. I mean, if if it's like if it's like you know the the goal is okay, everybody has to love unconditionally, and then we all do, and there's nothing that's tempting us not to do that. How easy is it just to do that? I mean, we don't even we're not even being tested. How do you know that you're really doing it? Yeah. Right, you have to be tested that way, and and we're not. Um, th- this I know this is going to be taken out of context. So let me just address it right now. We're, <laughs> it's true. Let me. I'm getting on my soapbox, and to. I'm gonna I'm gonna hey, go out on a limb a little bit here. Listen, I waited 36 minutes to get on the soapbox. That's, Ooh, that was that's, that's pretty yeah, good for the day. That's unusual for me. Yeah, very unusual. But we do talk about the culture of the church, and again, because uh, we keep getting I don't know people don't quite understand what we mean sometimes. But the culture of the church is a mindset that is adopted by members of our church, not the entire. church church it's not what the church says at all but all of the members are there it is part of their lives because the moment that you come into any church i don't care if it's the catholic church the jewish church the buddha you are part of the culture of that you have to be because that's just the way life is but it's recognizing and being aware that's the culture this is the truth and that's what we're working on is this is the culture this is the truth of the gospel and that's dispelling those untruths or half truths that the culture wants to perpetuate as this is the way that it is exactly that's right it's a it's a mindset and it's not every member of the church at all that belongs to the culture but there is a a, maybe it's a subculture like you come into the church and there's a culture of the church but then there's a subculture of people who think a certain way and have a specific mindset and their mindset is there's only one way to live this gospel there's only one way to be a member of the church that's satan's plan there's only one way that's his whole plan do this that that is not truth and god will never tell you there's only one way to get back to him Mm -mm. sure there's one way that's through the savior but how do i partake of the atonement it is so individual as i work with people every way that people really come to that change of heart and come to understand it is an individual experience that is through of adversity and that's the beauty of this is how do I learn to turn to the Savior is through adversity. It's the only way it's that only it way. ever comes. It is. And, and like I say, our goal is uh, to become like the Savior. When we sign up to be a disciple of Christ and we are a Christian, we are saying, I want to live the way that the Savior lived and I want to become perfect like him. And again, we're not going to be able to become perfect in this life and that's not the point, but we want to strive towards becoming better and better. Which, And when we say that, we're talking about developing Christ-like qualities. That's how we right. become better. We we become better with patience. We become better with forgiveness. We become better with unconditional love and tolerance and all these things. And that's what the Savior emphasized, and that's how he lived his life. And we just want to strive towards that. And the only way for us to kind of get rid of the bad habits we have or the bad characteristics that we have, and the only way we can develop these Christ-like qualities is through adversity, trials and tests and challenges in our lives that we don't understand that are really, really hard, 
because that's the only way we're going to grow is to go through all of that. So getting back to, I wanted to just make this other point too about what we're talking about regarding the culture. Uh, we are not saying that you shouldn't follow a path to the the temple to live worthy of being in the in the temple, living a celestial law. There's different ways that we describe it, but it's, it's living by certain standards essentially that allow you to uh, attend the temple and go to the house of the Lord and allows you to uh, receive certain blessings and benefits. But you also have to make covenants that you have to stick to in order to to do that. And both Lynn and I are, have. Uh, are worthy to go to the temple. We both have a temple recommend. We both have chosen to live those standards. That's just because we feel it's the right choice for our personal lives. That's where it ends. But the problem is the mindset of the subculture of the church, of this group of people who say, there's only one way to go. You have to go to the temple. That's the path you should be on. We're going to take you there. We're going to walk you through right. it. We're going to, by God, we're going to drag you across the finish line because that's going to be what's best for you. Trust it, me. It'll bring know. you happiness. It'll bring you happiness. But no, it won't if you don't want to do it. That's the thing. And that's what we're talking about, getting away from this mindset you know, the the temple is a very, very true principle. It's a wonderful way to live your life. It's an incredible uh, thing that will bless your life. And everyone can go to the temple. You just have to choose to follow the certain uh, covenants and if you want, but and it's up to you. that's more where I'm at is being grounded and really mindfully aware of where I'm at and asking, really asking, and I think this is important to not just follow the culture and go to the temple because my parents told me to, but to really be aware and feel and find and be uh, in tune with, is that really where I want to go? And asking, praying, being present to that, and and in digging deep inside, it would be to be closer to God, to be able to make that covenant, to bind covenants of the way we bind ourselves to the Savior and to Heavenly Father, and to bind myself to Him, that's through making those temple covenants. And if I feel a person out there feels like, I'm not ready to be bound to the Lord in that way, okay, honor that, be true to that, and it, there's nothing bad or wrong with that, and it's not, not for all. us to judge. It's not. That and we person. can. You can go to church. You, if you, if all you, all, the only thing you ever want to do is just go to church because you like the atmosphere there. You like to feel the spirit. You like the music. You like to hear people give talks about Great. the gospel. Great. Go. That's it. You don't. If you don't want to take a calling, if you don't want to participate or be active in the church at this point, you don't have to be. That's okay. That doesn't mean that God doesn't love you. That doesn't mean you're not a good person. The problem is the culture of the church will make you feel, and this is where the problem is, they will make you feel like you're not worthy enough, that you should be on this other path that you're not ready for, or you don't want, because that's the only way to go. And that's what's wrong, and that's what this podcast was right. born out of, the fact that this culture is hurting people, and it's sending the wrong message, and, and ironically, it's, <laughs> it's, it's perpetuating you know, a form of Satan's plan, the same concept, a compulsory plan where there's no agency you just have to cho choose and do what we say and don't question it and and let me spoon for you i had an yeah, interesting totally. experience this past week with um it's interesting catholic church and catholic school my my son who is 14 and has high functioning autism attends a private catholic school we chose to put him in there because it is a very small uh community of um he's currently in eighth grade remember eighth grade year and how fun that was awkward uh, awkward and that's where we put him in it and it has been a wonderful amazing experience and what's interesting is he loves to pray 
he will say prayers in his own way. They let him pray in his own way. They say, you know, the rote prayers, which is fine. He learns those also. He learns about the Catholic Church and about their doctrine, which is great. He goes to Mass, and he really enjoys Mass and going and worshiping, which you're worshiping God still. It's still the God he understands. It doesn't matter. So we're now looking at high school, and I'm talking to the admissions person at a private Catholic high school because we're looking at him going with his friends that he has developed. He really wants to move and be in the same place that they're going to. And again, it's a very small, close-knit community that they worship. They say prayer at the beginning of the school day, throughout the day. Everything is focused on God. They teach about God and science, which is fabulous. Like whenever they're talking about the creation, they talk about God and and it's so it's a different mindset. But I'm on the phone with a lady and it is letting go again of the culture of the right and wrong, you know, that we're LDS and we have all of this and you don't have it and looking down on them and just loving and accepting what they have to offer for children to partake of even though they may not be. And so we're talking about him going and I explained to her that we're not Catholic and she said, oh, that's great. But the interesting part is the high school that we're looking at putting him in does not have any um, special ed kids that have a one-on-one aid. He would be the first one. So he would be the groundbreaking child to be the, the one to come in and really have high functioning autism and have to change the curriculum. And, and she said... I, this is where I just love people like this. I've been praying for this to happen in our school. Thank you so much for giving us the opportunity to have someone like this bless our lives. Nowhere in the public school has anyone ever said, thanks so much for blessing our life with this autistic child. It's, it's more of a burden for them. And it's a whole different look through the guy god's eyes and that's how they see it of thank you so much for allowing us to learn from someone who's different than us someone that will bring this diversity to the people of our school to the children of our school and and she said and i'm going to take it and i'm going to pray about it and i really want this to happen because this is something i've been working and praying for for years and that just proves the point, right? That this whole thing is not about what church you belong to or anything like that. And it's not like, hey, we're separate. We're on different teams. We're not on different teams. We should not be in opposition with each other, right? We should not be playing football against each other, right? right? We should, we're all on the we're same team. We're working together. We're all working together. Right. And that's the idea. The idea is to help everyone to come back to God, right? To, to, to help everyone develop a relationship with God and with the Savior, and it doesn't matter who you are and, and what church you go to. It's it's not like that at all. It, we can't. We have to stop thinking in terms of religion being barriers and boundaries that keep us from other people or, or things like that. It's it's not about uh, anyone having all the truth and and being better or right, more right than someone else at all. We can all learn from each other, and we all have that capacity to do that. And we all have something amazing to offer this i mean nobody looks at an autistic child a what 14 year old right child kind of thing and says oh yeah that 
that guy could definitely change lives. But look at what happened, just the fact that he's in the situation. He brought something new, new that they mm-hmm. have been dying to have and could never figure out a way to do it. Just like that, all of a sudden, they're talking about him like he's a superhero, right? Everyone has something to offer no matter who you are or how lowly you think you are or how unsuccessful or unnoticed by the world you are. That doesn't matter. In God's eyes, you are a perfect being. In God's eyes, you are one of his children. And I love, I love this whole concept of us having God's DNA in us because he's our father. Of course we have his DNA, which means that we are destined for greatness and we have the capacity to become great because look who our father is. I mean, right. that's a pretty good deal that way. So very interesting stuff. And, and uh, you know, it's, uh, it's just fascinating understanding all of this, you know, and, and getting a bigger picture of exactly what this truly means to help us on our journey and help us to to make the right choices like that and so um let's can, can go we ahead. go back i just want yeah, to go yeah. back for a second when you talked about god weeping whenever we lost a third of the hosts of heaven and i really have felt because i've worked on becoming more mindfully aware and deeper spiritual promptings or feelings of coming to tune with that and even us as humans the, the sadness of losing a third of our brothers and sisters, if we really tune into that, sure, they're here to tempt us, but we've, but we've lost them. And, and that is truly sorrow. And in the scriptures, it goes to Moses, which we're reading this week, strangely enough. And, and, and this was just so beautiful to me whenever I read this. It's about Enoch um, and that God looked upon the residue of the people. So the city of Enoch's taken up because it's translated and he looks on the residue, the rest of the people, and he wept. And Enoch bore record of it saying, how is it the heavens weep and shed forth their tears as rain upon the mountains? And Enoch said unto the Lord, because he's wondering, why is God weeping? You know, what well, he knows all of these things. He said unto the Lord, how is it thou canst weep seeing thou art holy and from all eternity to all eternity? And it were possible man could number the particles of earth, yea, millions of earths like this. It would not be beginning to the number of thy creations, and thy curtains are stretched out still. And yet thou art there, thy bosom is there, and also thou art just, thou art merciful and kind forever. And and just the love that God has for all of us, including those spirits, that he would weep when he looks at the residue of the people that are still left on the earth and that he does n- understand all of the creations, but he still weeps because of his great love for us. And it's just, it's almost like poetry. Some of the scriptures to me are just like it's be- poetry. It's beautiful doctrine. There's no question. It is poetic. And I, th- I don't know that a lot of people really understand or even see God as a, a person who has feelings, who mm-hmm. has emotion, who can feel. Absolutely. I mean, you know, uh, this is, we won't get into this kind of doctrine, but, you know, we believe that um, God was once uh, like us and went through his uh, mortal probation and his journey. He chose to uh, to become uh, as a God and, and all that kind of stuff. And now uh, he's able to have all of his spirit uh, and, uh, you know, spirit family like, like all of us are now. And uh, we have that same opportunity. That's pretty heavy doctrine. I don't want to get into something like that uh, here. That's another episode, let's just say. But the point being is God is very much, you know, a real person in the sense that he has uh, everything capacity that we have, emotions and feelings and all of these things. And yeah, could you imagine, like we talked about before we started recording, having, you know, a third of your own children taken away and you'll never be able to see them again. 
right? That, that's heartbreaking, heart-wrenching. It's sorrow by definition. And that's what uh, he had to experience because he was staying true to agency, right? The principle and, of agency. And to the boundaries that were set. And right. that's how important boundaries are. God has boundaries and he will continue to keep them always. They are unchanging. Right. There's no question. And even if we, you know, choose to not follow those boundaries and we make choices that, uh, you know, I don't well, when we say damnation and things like that, that's a, that's a big, scary word. But damning means just stopping. If you think of a dam. Right. right? It stops well, it, the well, progression stops, of the water. It, 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 it stops the progression of the water. It's not an evil thing. It's not a horrible thing. The water doesn't, you know, isn't bad. It just is stopped. And so when we talk about damnation of our souls, we're talking about not that you're going to be, you know, burning in <laughs> hellfire. I really don't think it's, it's all this right. hellfire. And all this we're kind of back stuff. to the culture again. It is. Cult- yeah, the scare tactics, right. the fear, right? It's not like that at all. We're talking about our progression being stopped or maybe our progression being limited because of the choices we make where we, we damn ourselves Think of a dam where we actually just stop our own progression. So if you think of it, we're on, a, we're on a journey here of progression and we were in a pre-existence and then we came to this earth, got a body and are going through all the experiences and this testing ground to prove and to decide if we're going to choose to follow God or not. And if we don't, we damn our progression, meaning that we stop our progression. Which now imagine that for eternity being yeah. stuck right. and stagnant in the right. same place. And not growing, not progressing That's for all of eternity. That's what we're darkness. talking about. Because there's yeah. a lack of light and there's a lack of progression. Right. And being stuck forever really is damnation. That's would be right. but it's not it's not a curse that's put upon us and we're no. saying here you have to just burn in hell for the, all of eternity it's it's not it's not like that so damnation is not this big scary word that you know the preacher from footloose would have us believe that it is right it's not it's not that bad uh, it's it's a it's a different concept i that. think you just like saying the word over and over which oh damnation i do yeah. like saying the damnation <laughs> i say damn a lot too but, that uh, one too <laughs> that one too and several others which i probably shouldn't say on this podcast but uh, you know what I'm talking about. So there we go. So let's, um, I wanted to also just sort of um, get a, a better understanding of Satan's role in the plan of salvation for us to understand. Because once I understood that, it's like, hey, you know what? I'm the one who's in control here. I don't have to be afraid. It brings freedom. Completely freedom, which is what sounds crazy. Uh, you know, boundaries actually give us freedom. They don't take freedom away from they us. They create freedom. They create freedom. Right. They do. And so, again, to, to help understand here, the, the plan of salvation, uh, you know, it's an agency-based plan, so there has to be opposition in, in all things. And so that's what the adversary does. The adversary provides that opposition, meaning he has to be able to tempt us enough and give us enough opposition that we really have to, uh, it, it, it becomes you know, a hard choice to choose what's right. It's not easy for us to choose. It's not an obvious answer. We really have to be put to the test and we really have to honestly make a choice for ourselves, but it has to be difficult enough that we, you know, can know that we're making the right choice and we have to work at it. And that's how we grow. And so what's interesting about that is, is first of all, the adversary, this was God's plan. He's a part of the plan. He's a character in a whole kind of play we sometimes reference, but he has a purpose here. That's it. That's the thing with the adversary. He has a purpose, just like the Savior has a purpose uh, to, to help us to uh, you know resolve all of our sins, and he died for our sins so that all of our sins are gone now, and we can be clean and pure and return to Heavenly Father. That's the point of that. The point of the uh, adversary is to provide that opposition that we need for agency to be fulfilled. And so he has a 
a specific role, but he also is held within boundaries. That's the thing I don't know that people quite understand, because I certainly never understood that before. But Satan can only do certain things. He, he has been given boundaries by God, right? Because it's like, hey, listen, you're going to play this role in my plan, but here are the boundaries. Here's what you can do. Here's what you cannot do. I need you to be able to do certain things, but that's it. So you're not going to have power over everyone, but you have the ability to provide opposition so that they can really choose for themselves. And they might choose to follow you. They might mm-hmm. choose to follow me, but they have that choice. And that's your role is to test them so that they can choose for themselves and decide where they really, who they really want to follow and where they really want to uh, spend the rest of their eternity. And so there's a purpose for that. But the good news about all of that is that Satan simply has uh, you know, limited power for us. And he, there's, we talked about this before, there's just this cliched misconception that the devil made me do it, right? Right. That's just an excuse to point fingers and say, hey, that's not my responsibility. It, that it is. He made me do it. He, he did. And, and the whole point of that is to avoid accountability, which is exactly where Satan is going with the world. It's very interesting uh, what he's doing because he is still trying to destroy agency. That has always been his goal. He is still trying to do it here. And when we talk about agency in another podcast, we're going to get into how he's how he does that is very subtle, but you'll you'll notice that things are changing in the government with the laws of the land. This is how he's manipulating all of this to actually get rid of agency. It's very, very interesting the how this is all working. The thing I find interesting is people want to turn their agency over, and you just tell me what to do. And that's where I have a difficult time with, say, life coaches. Here, I'm going to tell you what to do today. I'm going to tell you how to live your life. That's not agency. You came here to make those choices. Don't have someone else tell you what to do. And that's funny because we don't look at it that way. And I, I think about it like with, a, with hiring a fitness coach to help me with my goals. You know, if you give me a meal plan and you give me a workout, I'll mm-hmm. just do whatever you tell me to do because I know that I'll hit my goal that way. And that, that's a little different in that you tell me what to do so then I can experience it, figure out if it works for me, tweak it. That's, that's learning to me right. is, is I'm not going to do that every day for the rest of my life, right. but give me some boundaries, give me boundaries to live within and then let me choose. Exactly. But the, you know, again, when we come back to the culture and we, we talk a lot about spoon feeding and this is what it is when this is exactly what we're talking about. When we say spoon feeding, the culture is, is saying here, this is what you need to do. This is the path you need to follow. And uh, if you do these things, if you follow this checklist, checklist, well, whoop, you're going to get back yeah. to God. But the problem, yeah, and it's not that the things on the checklist are wrong. Of course not. These are wonderful things we're talking about. The checklist usually comprised is comprised of uh, prayer and uh, and um, you know serving others and maybe going to the temple if that's your thing, or paying tithing if that's your thing, or all of these wonderful things that we're asked to do. That's not the problem. The problem is not the checklist. The problem is the mindset of the checklist, which says all you have to do is follow this checklist. You don't have to think for yourself. You don't have to question it. You don't have to go seek answers for yourself. If you just do what we tell you to do, you'll get uh, you know back to God and you'll have the highest glory and, and you'll be so happy and you'll thank me later kind of thing. And that that's that's what's wrong. Um, and so, anyway, we, um, um, where was I going with all of this? I don't know. Did you okay. lose your train of thought? I did. Got off that train. train left the station. Is it because I'm a year older? Is that what's going on? Am I starting to, <laughs> is Alzheimer's starting to set in already? Boy, on the day. All, all, I don't know what time were you born? I was born, oh, at night. Sometime oh, at so night. you really haven't quite hit that mark Maybe yet. Maybe not yet. I was born on a Saturday, though. 
Ah. Uh, but uh, anyway. Ooh, so, so let's go. I want right. to go as we talk about that to the Joseph Smith translation, which is available if you'd like to purchase it on Amazon. It's it's a. We're not affiliates. We're not making money mm. off of this. We just like the book. And <laughs> I just like, but that is one, it's the only place you really can find it. I think it might be in Deseret Book now also. But the Joseph Smith translation um, has all of the, it's like fill in the blanks. It's not canonized. So you can't look at it as scripture. But it is fill in the blanks as he is reading through different parts of the Bible. So in Genesis um, is where this comes from, and it's chapter four, and it talks about exactly that what we what you were discussing before you lost your train of thought about seriously, <laughs> seriously Joe never does that. What happened? That um, after they partook of the fruit and they were cast out of the garden, and then the angel came to visit, asked them why they were sacrificing, and they said, I know not. Um, and he said, you do this in the name of the only begotten, and he under- gained an understanding that that's what they would sacrifice again till, this, till Jesus came and was sacrificed, and then the law sacrifice ended. Um, But it's this joyous part of why we need the fall and why we need Satan. And it it kind of, I love, again, it's just beautiful the way that it's worded. So it says, and in that day, I'm starting in verse 10 with Genesis 4. And in that day, Adam blessed God and was filled. So this is the day that he realizes I'm fallen. I have these choices. I have my, he finally has his agency. This is, this is the beginning of agency, and this is where he would be filled. And began to prophesy concerning all the families of the earth, saying, Blessed be the name of God, for because of my transgression my eyes are opened, and in this life I shall have joy, and again in the flesh I shall see God. So he has this faith already that's developing, and he understands, even though the veil has been drawn, that that blessed be the name of God for because he of the transgression. He, I made a mistake, and because of that transgression, look, I can experience joy, but I also can experience sorrow. I can find happiness, but I can also have sadness. It's it's now I understand both because I've tasted of the other one. And Eve, his wife, heard all these things and was glad, saying, Were it not for our transgression, we should never had seed and should never have known good and evil and the joy of our redemption and the eternal life which God giveth unto all the obedient. And Adam and Eve blessed the name of God and made all things known unto their sons and daughters." And it, that's and that's where I. It's great to read this and just the beautiful terminology that Joseph Smith uses in the wording of the blessing of the transgression and that that the joy that they found through knowing good and evil and that that they know that Adam and Eve knew they could return to God back into where they were before and they they knew it really well because they had just come from it. Of course, all of that is is great and it's it's amazing. Uh, I I do love that we have been given the gift of translation of of some of the uh, Bible scriptures and that that's I mean I don't want to get into that because that's another hot topic that people are going to. Uh, really rise up against, I think, because not everyone believes that, but I think it's common knowledge that the the Bible has been translated by man through the centuries. Well, in different languages, different languages, and di- it's gone through a lot, a lot of, of different, and, and it's not a direct evil, translation. Evil people have translated to suit their own means or to keep 
the public, uh, you know, fr- in the back in the day in the dark. Yeah, because right. people didn't read back then, so they, the priests would have to read to them, and they could tell them whatever they wanted. There was a lot of that. We all know that that's happened, and we believe in our church that once the gospel of Jesus Christ was restored to the earth, and there was a prophet on the earth once again, that um, he received uh, revelation and, to, and was able to translate some of these uh, mistranslated scriptures back into the original scripture, which I think is a really super cool concept. But that's what we believe, and he was able to uh, to kind of translate them back through God, like God basically inspired him to say, "Here's here's what the real, you right. know, the real passages in the scriptures." I would more say pure. it's more yeah, pure. Yeah, let's say it's more pure. That's a good way to put it. And so, kind of brought it back. And and what's interesting to me is that if you read the translation in some Bible, or excuse me, you, you read the, the the scripture itself in some versions of the Bible, and then you read the uh, the translations, it's literally the opposite of what it says right. in the Bible, which is. I mean, just think about people reading that and thinking, this wow, is truth. this is truth. But yeah, it's, the, and it's the real tainted truth. Is complete, truth. Yeah, right. the real truth is the actually complete opposite in some cases. found that fascinating. But um, anyway, uh, that's, all, that's all good stuff. And uh, I, I think what, you know, what I want to just help people understand here is what, you know, the role that the adversary plays. And there's a really interesting kind of um, saying here or a quote or whatever you want to call it uh, that's very telling. And, and this is, I think, will, will give us a better understanding of how we can handle all this. When we obey Satan, we give him power. When we obey God, he gives us power. Mm-hmm. That's fascinating. Us, and he whenever we obey Satan, he takes our freedom because yep. we have now turned it over to him because of choosing those things. We get bound into captivity. Interesting, the binding again. Bound to him in our captivity, which he wants us to be miserable like unto him. But whenever we are obedient, we become bound to God and freedom freedom to choose because we're choosing those things which bring us those blessings yeah right being bound itself isn't a bad thing but it's what you're bound to correct am i bound to things of the world or am i bound to things of the spirit and to god bound to things that are going to take away my freedoms and restrict myself like addiction for example or am i bound to covenants that create boundaries that give me safety and freedom uh, to, to live my life and, and to, uh, to, to really be happy is the idea with it. But Satan has limited abilities. Uh, you, you know, to, he can't make us do anything for sure. He can't make us choose. He's only able to tempt us. But the good news is we always have the right to choose. No matter what the temptation is, we still always have the right to walk away from that temptation and to choose what's right. And that's empowering. That's, if you can just understand that, it's like, you know what, it is my choice. At the end of the day, it's always my choice, and I'm the one who's going to choose what I want to choose. And sometimes we choose right, and sometimes we choose wrong. That's just part of living, and that's part of, it's okay to do that, because A, we have the atonement to cover us when we miss the mark, and B, we learn mm-hmm. from our, our choices, and that's what God wants us to do. So it's not a bad thing to necessarily miss the mark and choose to follow Satan in a certain thing or make a choice that he might be prompting you to do if you learn from it. And you just come back, and again, you use your agency, your choice, to say, no, I'm not going to let that happen again. I'm going to choose. I learned from that, and I'm going to come back and choose. But we're in control. That's the message I want to get out to everybody is that we are in control, and that Satan doesn't have that influence. And he strictly is a, uh, a character, right? In a play, basically, he is a, a component of a plan, and we need him. This is what's interesting. I don't. Nobody thinks this. I don't think because. But we do we need, need him. him because without Satan, we can't be saved. Because if there's no agency, because there's no opposition, we can't choose good. We can't choose to return home to God if we don't have the right to choose. And the only way we can have the right to choose if we have opposition. If there's only one choice, that's not 
choosing, right? If there's only one choice. Last time I checked, if I went to my fridge and there was only milk to drink, that would be... That's what you're drinking. That's what I'm drinking because there's no other choice. Right, but that yeah. is, are you really free to choose? I could still not drink it, but yeah, yeah, that would That's be, right. but, but yeah, it's, and it's that we, you, you know, we have power to crush his head and he can bruise our heel, which comes from Genesis again. And it's just remembering that, that he, it, he is an intricate part and exactly what Joseph Smith said in the translation that we are blessed because of that transgression. We, we are, are blessed through our transgressions and through learning, through making mistakes and partaking of the atonement. Forgiveness is another part of that, forgiving myself, forgiving others, truly owning my power in this, that I've been given that power to choose in that agency and not giving that power away to others or to Satan. It is. That's right. That they, we really have the choice to keep our power or give it away. But the choice is always ours. We're always in control of that, which is a pretty fascinating concept. And I think we just understand that. It makes us uh, a lot more equipped to handle our day-to-day. And, uh, you know, that's, again, another thing that people don't think, you know, when, when, when I sin, it's actually a blessing to me. They, they shame themselves. They feel guilty. They think someone else is going to be disappointed in them or God or it's like, oh, right. I gave well, them Well, now you've just fell into fearing right. man more than God. Right. But that's a real you thing. You can't that's serve people, two masters. No, you can't. But the, 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 the point is people don't think that, hey, you know, I made a bad choice. That's a great thing. That's a good thing because, but you do, it, it is a blessing because you learn from it at the very least and you learn more about yourself and you can become more empowered through that by making bad choices, I think, because you can say, you know what, no, I am not going to make that choice again. I know that I have the right to choose to not make that choice again, and I'm grateful for that knowledge that I do have, and that knowledge wouldn't come without the adversary being there to to do that. So if we just kind of understand that he's fulfilling a role, he has to be here, um, honestly, we should be grateful for him, which sounds crazy to think, right? We should, why are we grateful for the adversary? But we are. Without him, just like without the Savior, we couldn't return home to Heavenly Father, right. which is the whole purpose of us being here. So I kind of just wanted to reframe our perception of the adversary. He's not something that is, uh, I mean, he's, he's bad and he's serious, and we have to take that seriously. Don't, this is not nonchalance here. Don't get me wrong about that. We absolutely. Well, he's real. He's, he's very, very real. real. He's that's, very, very. That's another misconception of the of the world, right? The, uh, the the there's a saying, right, that the the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist, and that's actually really, really true. That's from The Usual Suspects, by the way. One of my favorite movies. Great. <laughs> but movie. he's real, and not to look at that in a fearful way, but to look at that in a faith-filled way that I chose and I have faith in the atonement and because he's real and because of the plan of salvation, looking at it as a whole, I can learn and grow and return to God. And that's, that's the truth. Now we've just, and when you feel the truth, you can ask, receive, and really know that that's what the truth of, of why we're here. So I wrote down a couple of reasons why we should not fear Satan, because I think everybody, we're, we're meant to fear, we're told to fear him, we're told that, you know, if, uh, if we choose bad, that he's going to take our souls down to hell and all of this craziness that uh, it, it clouds our thinking and clouds our judgment, and we, we have a better way to handle all of this. But we need to understand that Satan cannot take away our freedom. He can't. We can only give it to him. And that's powerful to know, but it's very, very true. But that's a reason we shouldn't fear him. He can't take anything away from us. He can only try to tempt us, but it's always our choice to decide do we follow him and give our power away or do we follow God and increase our power. 
He's also limited to the boundaries that God has set, like we talked about. That's to me, is good news. That's a reason not to fear him, because he can only, we have more freedoms than he does, right? He can only work within the boundaries that God has set, and God has just said, hey, your purpose here is to provide opposition. That's the boundary. You can't do anything else, and you can't have control over people. They can choose, uh, but we, we need you to help people make the right choices and give them the ability to actually choose for themselves. That's a good thing, but there's no reason to be afraid of that. And then also without him, as we mentioned, there is no salvation. And so that is, um, I don't know, I think, uh, you know, he's not that bad, really, <laughs> overall, right? Maybe he's just misunderstood. I don't know. I think it's letting go of the judgment of bad <laughs> and good and, and looking at it for the truth that it's acceptance of what is and it wasn't, and again, the transgression of Adam and Eve was not bad. It was needed, and it is truth, and it was part of the plan. Me making mistakes is part of the plan, so I actually am grateful for those things to learn from and being grateful for all that God has given us in in both in, in opposition and in seeing both sides and being able to experience that. And there we have it. Okay, well, that's another great episode, you guys. I really hope that uh, you're able to take away some knowledge and some pure truth here uh, of an understanding of, of really who the adversary is and what he uh, does in our lives, and, uh, and that it's, it's okay that we are completely in control and uh, you don't have to worry about being forced to make the wrong choices. You don't have to worry uh, you know, that you won't be able to make the right choices. It's all yours. You have agency. You have power. And, uh, I, you know, just understanding the bigger picture of this whole plan that we have, for me personally anyway, gives me great comfort. And, you know, knowledge is power, as they say. Mm-hmm. But just understanding it, that knowledge will dispel the fear as well. And it dispels, it does dispel fear and the, and it takes away the cloudiness and the distractions again the things he wants to distract us in ways and when we get distracted into the fear that can eat up a lot of time and energy as opposed to dwelling in faith and that's where he gains power so yep there we have it wonderful guys well thanks again for listening happy birthday to me and uh everyone uh, have a, a wonderful day and uh we will look forward to seeing you in the next episode in the meantime keep the faith and keep your stick in the ice Thank you for listening to the Impeccable Perspective Podcast. Subscribe to us on Spotify, Amazon Prime, iHeartRadio, and wherever fine podcasts are sold.